We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. All right, here we go. Happy Sunday to everybody. Well, not so happy because the Knicks... Lose another devastating game in crunch time. They played three and a quarter good quarters. But once again, Tommy D, man, the Knicks just could not close down the stretch. They have a five-minute lead with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And um, the wheels fell off totally, man. What you see out there down the stretch from this team? Yeah, and... Uh... Happy Thanksgiving, obviously, uh, CP and and uh, everybody uh, who's tuning in. I hope everybody had a happy and safe one. And you know, it, it was pretty similar. I was uh, at the game the other night uh, against Philly, and uh, pretty similar result there. Really good first half. Knicks actually played a better third quarter than they did um, the other night, but very close game coming down the stretch. Tie game with six minutes left, and I, I know we're going to talk about this later on. Um, and break it down a little bit further from an X's and O's standpoint. Um, but it's the out of timeout stuff that we have talked about uh, and basically just the execution. And you know, I, I think when, when a lot of people or a lot of people reacted initially when I started talking about it, it's, you know, sort of, you know, am I calling for the coach's head or anything like that? It's not like that. It's, it's more about um, getting an understanding of, you know, sort of what those situations are about. What are they running in those situations? And, obviously going up against some pretty good coaches in the NBA who were prepared and ran into probably the best in the business out of town that's tonight and Brad Stevens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he really was had his guys prepared. They executed and they ended up winning the game going away. I mean, five-point lead with eight minutes left. Uh, Celtics then start to bomb away from three. You had Ojale, you had Tatum, and you had Grant Williams knock down some jumpers. Um you know, they, they end up tying the game at 95 all. And then after that, it's four straight turnovers by the Knicks. You had uh, a shot clock violation. You had Dotson giving the ball up. You had Randall turning it over. You had 
DSJ uh, and Kevin Knox on some miscommunication there. It just seems like, once again, you know, good teams find a way to win, bad teams find a way to lose, as the old saying goes. And I just think, once again, this this was another game that, that the Knicks just couldn't execute um, down, down the stretch, man. I don't know if they win the game with Marcus Morris, but they certainly lost the game because they didn't have Marcus Morris. Uh, Brown and Tatum combined, I think, for 59 or 58 or 59 points, uh, obviously knocking down big shots late. Tatum is a closer. We know this. We saw this earlier in the season. Yeah. And to that point, coming into the season, Stevens uh, versus Fizdale in that out of timeout stuff, uh, both coaches obviously are prepared. They know what they're going to do going into games. First two games, the Celtics were 14-0. They were up 14-0 in those situations. 14-0 uh, after the timeout, right? 14-0 after the timeout. In the first two games, and that obviously expounded today with uh, with, the, with the numbers coming from today. Um, but yeah, Brad Stevens is is a surgeon in those situations. Um, you can almost call him Doctor Stevens. Again, not just against the Knicks, against most teams, he's probably the best at it in the league. Um, but not having Marcus Morris, who obviously played for them last year, uh, certainly hurt them. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the Celtics come away with their third win of the season against the Knicks, second at home against or second on the road at the, at the Garden. Yeah, as you say, I mean, not having Mook out there from an offensive standpoint didn't necessarily hurt us tonight, but certainly on the defensive end. You know, which I think is an underrated aspect of his game, given that his his offensive prowess this season. Because once again, uh, the three point defense is what doomed us, man. I mean, they just started bombing away from downtown um, late in the game, and I thought I, I thought overall I thought the defense was fairly good. Uh, I, but you know, crunch time once again, we just we just couldn't get the proper stops. No, Nilakina as well, and as Clyde always says, you know, great defense leads to offense. And in those situations coming out of those timeouts, uh, four turnovers and five possessions generally gets the team out, the other team out in transition. Transition leads to either easy baskets or secondary transition, which is ball movement. And that's where you saw either, you know, the, the, the easy baskets or the three pointers coming off of, um, you know, that ball movement from, from the initial transition that started at the defensive end. And uh, that was the difference in the game for sure. That's it, man. And, and you know, overall, I, I thought this was one of their their best games that they played. Now we we've lost a lot of games down in crunch time, but this game, I mean, you want you needed a good game out of Dennis Smith Jr., especially us being shorthanded uh, in the backcourt. He came out. He, he again, he played three quarters of, of pretty good ball. He got he got us into the he got us deep into the paint. He was hitting his jumpers, two for three from downtown, six for six for eleven uh, on the field overall, seven dimes. I thought this was DSJ's best game since the Dallas game because I mean, not saying too much because he's been fairly terrible in between. But um, with Frank out, I thought DSJ stepped up, and I think the domino effect going into the next story of the game was Kevin Knox because I thought DSJ did a good job of getting Knox set up. Kevin Knox coming in with his first start, and and you know the story. Tonight and or this week was, you know, Fisdale benching him in the Philly game and how would he respond? What would you think about Knox tonight? Yeah, I, I thought what you saw there was um, a young player responding to a message that was delivered by his coach. And I think what I think that gets lost in all the noise a lot of times. And, and I think uh, Coach Fisdale said this himself, you know, people, and I agree with this. People think that development is just all about playing, and it's not. It's definitely not just all about playing. It's about sometimes you have to sit and take a look and sit with an assistant coach 
and go through, you know, hey, this is where you need to be. And, you know, in certain situations, this is where you know, your help defense needs to be. Knox has been a he's been exposed in two man game. Anytime there's been side pick and roll uh, or he's the one who's got to guard the, the guard and pick and roll. Um, he has a hard time handling that. And that's been a weakness that gets exposed. And it's a copycat league. We all know that. So his defense has been a problem. I thought his defense was really good tonight. And on the offensive side, at least in the first half, on the offensive side, what you saw was him making shots to get his confidence going, but also cutting off the ball. When he moves off the ball, instead of standing around, when he moves off the ball, you know, if somebody goes to try to make a shot and he goes and tries to attack it on the offensive glass, he become his energy levels rise. Right. And that's, as a coach, when you notice a guy is standing around, Dennis Smith Jr. did that in the second half tonight. I noticed first half he had a lot of energy. Then you have to wonder what's going on with the energy. And from a coaching standpoint, I think they did a great job in, in getting a message sent to him the other night against Philly and then having him come out and playing a pretty productive game overall, especially in the first half. That was good. a yeah. good sign for him, and he took, a, he took a step forward. Definitely a good sign because you mentioned energy, and, and that was another topic that they brought up on the broadcast and, and a topic for Knox since we drafted him. It's been about the motor and, and how to keep him involved and how to get his energy up. And, and the Knicks coaching staff went on record as saying they want to get him more aggressive and, and have him attacking more. As you said, his energy was a lot better, especially on the cuts. Like I said, I, I liked how DSJ got him involved. You know, again, having that dribble penetration just uh, makes things so much easier, especially when you, you're spacing the floor a lot better. Uh, and, and again, the, the the help defense from Knox. You know, you saw him with a couple blocks out there tonight. Uh, so he, he was definitely aggressive. RJ, I thought, uh, set, a, set a good tone for this game as well. I thought RJ did a good job on both ends, um, really staying aggressive and attacking. Well, what do you think about RJ tonight? Come I thought what was one of I thought it was his best game the other night in against Philadelphia in the Garden. Um, down the stretch, what I was really wanted to see from him was sort of this takeover ability, and you know hopefully he could carry them to the win. Um, and I'm going to go on record on this, and I'm going to stick to this as long as he's in the league or both are in the league. I'm I'm taking R.J. Barrett over Ben Simmons any day of the week, uh, and twice on Sunday. Today being Sunday, uh, he's a he's a better overall player. Um, his what he showed down the stretch the other night, even though they didn't win, um, was just really fantastic stuff. He, he he brought the the ball on the baseline like Steve Nash did, his godfather. They, they call that the Nash dribble, um, and and made a couple plays uh, uh, the other night. That um, at 19 years old, you just sort of scratch your head and say, you know, this kid's going to be really really good. He's a foundational piece. We've talked about this. We know this. Um, tonight, off to a great start. Um, you know, I think just struggled going against Tatum and Brown and, and their, you know, veteran uh, um, abilities. Tatum coming from behind once with the block, uh, I think, early in the game. And then Stevens he's sort of game planning around him, um, which is such a compliment to a, a young player. Um, so he's going to continue to learn from that for sure. Uh, but I thought he did have a really good game coming off probably his best game uh, as a pro the other night. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, and you mentioned the, those baseline dribbles, man. He's been really, really good at that. Like I every that. time I see him doing that, I'm like, I cringe. Like it's a turnover waiting to happen, but he makes something, makes something out of it. Ends up usually getting assists or hockey assists, um, you know, along the way. So I thought RJ was definitely solid tonight. Dotson, I thought, gave us some good minutes in, in the first half on both ends as well. You know, he was typical Dotson, uh, just getting after it on the defensive end, knocked down a couple threes. Uh, 
uh, here and there. I thought Dotson set a good tone for us as well. Well, you're talking to the captain of the Portsmouth Invitational ship uh, in, in terms of really just enjoying. I've, I've been there a bunch. I've helped uh, uh, there a, a little bit um, just uh, in, in doing some scouting. But um, what I what I love about that tournament is that it's, you know, a lot of four-year guys, a lot of older, you know, 22 and 21, 23-year-olds um, who have graduated. But uh, Dotson a couple of years ago was the MVP down there out of University of Houston, uh, uh, the Knicks selected him. He's been, uh, to me, uh, a, a really good um, uh, two-way player, obviously coming off the, the shoulder surgery, hasn't been uh, completely healthy coming into the year. Coming into form here, played some really good minutes the other night. He's active. He's, his energy level is always very strong. He's a, he's a total pro. Um, he's going to guard the one. He's going to guard the two. He'll get his loose balls and Hasn't really shot it well yet, as, yeah. as we've seen. We've seen him shoot it a lot better. Um, but when he starts to do that, then I think you're going to see him and his confidence rise overall. Uh, and, and certainly, I think they have it as sort of a Dotson-Trier thing, and, and he's Dotson's in the lead for now. Uh, and when getting the minutes, and um, he's, he's rewarding them with his effort for sure. Yeah, he played well with his minutes. It's just unfortunate, man. It's just unfortunate uh, that these guys can't yet uh, uh, really just come together down the down in crunch time. I mean, what what would you attribute that to? I think. Do you think it's it's the point guard? You know, just not getting us where we need to be in crunch time because obviously it ends up back in in Julius's hands, trying to force a play here and there. Uh, what what do you think it is? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. First and foremost, I think it's it's um, it's combinations. Okay, it's it's who's on the floor with who and why. Um, Smith on the floor tonight. With Knox, they weren't on the floor together the other night. So in those situations, you're playing against a completely different team. Yes, you're playing at home, um, but you're just not used to, you know, not used to the experience. Maybe, um, you know, everybody always talks about next man up, but, um, you know, that always isn't, uh, isn't something that can happen uh, if guys just aren't um, maybe mentally prepared um, and not understanding the opponent. Um, we, you know who the Celtics are, you feel like, but, um, I just feel with where Randall is now and what they're trying to accomplish, it's it's very similar to football. And I think I heard Wally say this uh, in the post game: not having a quarterback who can run sort of the two-minute drill. When you have turnovers out of those out-of-timeout situations, then you've got to really make it simple. It's like if your young quarterback throws an interception, next time you get the ball, you know you're probably going to be running a lot of, you know, run plays and, you know, screen passes and just really basic stuff so you don't turn the ball over again. So what they did with Randall uh, is sort of, you know, just sort of this flex cut and then have him post up on the right block and see if he could go to work in isolation, draw some double teams. Um, so that's really – it's not an uh, imaginative offense, but it's not because they don't know to, to create that offense. It's more to protect the basketball after they'd already turned it over a lot so it comes down to execution it comes down to pairings matchups who's on the floor and um they just ended up on the wrong side of those uh really for the better part of the season Uh, execution man as you said i mean down that stretch once again we're we're tied up and four straight turnovers uh again dotson just basically handing the ball off to to jalen brown um, you had the Julius, the, the shot clock violation, shooting a three ball. Um, just just not smart basketball, man. Just, just not smart well, basketball. So 
So let's talk about those two. The, the, the high entry pass, high entry post pass is a hard pass, difficult. And especially if, you know, the, the guy who you're passing it to, who is basically essentially posting up at the, uh, the elbow or the high post or the three point line, wherever, he, wherever he ends up, um, it really has to seal off the defender uh, who, you know, can be very aggressive in that situation if it's a Randall who's not the fastest guy and that's not going to be a dunk if he goes for a steal and doesn't get it, right? So I wouldn't necessarily put Dotson in the position to make that pass. Um, I think it's a tough situation. I'm not going to say I wouldn't know how to do it. What do I know? But, yeah, you know, Dotson in that situation, not comfortable. So there's the turnover there. And then the other one is on Randall in my mind because he, he gets a good pass from Smith Jr. and waits. And then they drew, they, you know, the double comes at him and he's lefty and he throws a really weak right-handed pass that gets deflected. They get possession back, but now you're deep in the clock. You're 40 feet right. from the basket and then you got to force a three. So if you make a harder pass there or a better pass there, that possession may turn out differently. So that was the one where I'm like, you know, that's, that's on Randall to, to not, you know, make such a weak pass there to, create this up against the shot clock that he's got to force a three. Um, to me, that's when the game was over. And, uh, you know, if, if you're Randall and you're, you want to be a leader and you want to be an all-star and you want to be respected as this, you know, great player in the league, you can't close. make those plays. Yep. Can't make absolutely. those plays. Absolutely, man. Well said. Um, so to everybody in the chat, once again, on this Sunday night, another disappointing loss. I, I was proud of the effort through the first three, three and a quarter, man, but just it just it just became same old uh, same old Knicks down the stretch, man. And once again, uh, they find a way to lose this one. I want to salute um, LFK checking in from Germany. Salute to LFK, Tommy Gibbs in here, Ernesto. How you feeling, Nick Flair? What's going on? Uh, shout out to Jerry Billups, Arthur Newell. This is uh, post game live CP from Knicks Fan TV. No Jay Ellis tonight, but we got Tommy D joining us tonight. And after we take calls, we're gonna take a look at some more film on the Knicks after timeout execution or lack thereof. You know, is it is it the strategy? Is it uh, the, the execution by the players? Is it the play itself? We're gonna take a little bit uh, of a deep dive into that, and um, and, and Tommy will orchestrate that. So hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure if you guys are new, uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Share these videos as well. And uh, let's see who's first up. First up, we're going to go to Will from LI. Wants to talk about the game overall. Will, how you feeling, man? Yo. Hello? Yep. Oh, yo. All right, all right, my bad. I was switching up my thing. Yo, what's up, CP? What's up, Tommy? How y'all doing? What's up, man? You on speakerphone, man? You got to talk a little bit louder, bro. Uh, no, I got my AirPods and shit, but yeah, I think my bad. Hold on, let me try to fix this up. My okay, bad, go ahead, man. Uh, there you go. All right. Yeah, all right, man. This, this is it was it was a valiant effort. I was, I liked it. I liked it. I like what I saw. I I like to see the team fighting and everything like that. But these these losses are really starting to hit, man. This is I I don't, I don't know. I mean, on the bright side, Knox came out of the doldrums, right? DSJ played well. And Randall, over the last couple of games, he's been pretty good in terms of not forcing it and, you know, being, you know, just a solid player. And I think that's going to help us in the future. But these losses, I think they're starting to get to 
these players had mentally. And they just know, like, once the stretch comes down and they aren't, you know, they're close, they can't finish it. And they know it's because, you know, we don't have that finisher. We just don't have it. I don't. Nobody's stepping up to be that finisher. Nobody, everybody is like, you know, messing up. I think it sucks with the guard play. But, you know, I can't knock on DSJ even though he did do good. He, he did cause some turnovers. But overall, he did a pretty good job. And it was nice to see. But I don't know, man. We just got to we gotta, we gotta get Morris out of here. You know, we didn't have him. But just to see Knox play a little bit better, we need more of that. And for the most part, we just we just need this season to hurry up and finish up because this is painful. Like, my girl's over here watching the game, and she doesn't know anything about basketball, yet she's over here talking about it. This, this is bad. This is I got a question. Yeah, I, I got a question. Tommy Guy, man. Why does Morris have to go? Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Why, why, does, why does Morris have to because, go? Because because Knox, and, and, you know, as much as I love Morris, that's Knox's position. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like Knox is a cleaner between three and four, and between wow. Morris Why can't and they Randall. We all know Randall's not going to go. I, I meet for to me personally, Tommy. I, I think they should. If if they're not going anywhere, I think they should look to trade him and see if they if they want to bring him back next season. See what's up. I mean, I would go to him and say, "Hey, go play for a contender." And see if they can get back into the first round. That's how I would take things with Morris. I think he's having a career year offensively. I would definitely entertain. If you can get into the first round, I would I would definitely trade him. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I've, absolutely. I'm sure that's just for I'm just, development. I just don't see it. Yeah. Go ahead, Tom. Well, my thing is you don't have to make a contract decision on, on Knox, right? So he can, he can develop however he's going to develop this year, right? He can play some minutes. He can spend extra time in practice. He can spend extra time in the locker room. If he's got to store in the, the film room, if he's got to go to Westchester, not saying he's going to go, but you know, it, that you don't have to make a roster decision or a financial commitment decision on him, which is, you know, why the, the other veterans are there. So I agree that if there's a really good trade opportunity, then fine. But just to get rid of a guy, I think that was the question. You know, you, you don't want to just get rid of a guy who plays, Morris is leading the league. It's probably not going to last, but he's leading the league in three-point shooting. Yeah. He's three-point percentage. He's as tough as nails. He's He really is in a lot of ways. He epitomizes what a Nick is and should be. So that's where it's like the dismissiveness. It, I see it a lot. I see it a lot on Twitter. It's like, okay, if you're going to lose, you know, lose with Knox. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> You could lose with Morris and keep Morris moving forward, and then maybe there's an opportunity to move a Randall or to move a Portis down the line. Yeah, I wouldn't just get rid of a guy just because you want to play a younger guy. That doesn't. Uh, I don't think that's really sound strategy. I mean, to me, to me, that guy, that guy is Portis. To me, now he played a little bit better tonight, but I think there, there has to come a point where Knox gets those minutes uh, over Portis. I, I would not prioritize him over over Kevin Knox's playing time for sure. And on the flip side, I do agree. Knox wants to they, they want him to earn it and and Berman came out with an article uh today or yesterday saying that some of the veterans last year didn't like how Fizz was handling um you know Knox in terms of holding him accountable maybe does that have something to do with how they're handling it this year I don't know take it for what it's worth but you know like, like I said I think Portis is the guy I would look at to for Knox to get those minutes um at the four I just find it interesting just to, to finish on that thought like Morris play Morris's level never changes. If you've watched him throughout the course of his career, his level every night is high. Like 
it may not be in terms of like skill points, you know, production, but his energy level, his professionalism, his, his fight, the dog in him, it's, you know, it's there every single night. You don't, you don't see that from a lot of guys and you want that in your organization. And as long as you can have it, I, I feel to your point, CP, unless they can make a deal that um, makes a lot of sense for the future. Um, if it blows you away, then you have to listen to it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I um, appreciate the call, Will. Let's go to another Will. Let's go to the Bronx. Will from the Bronx is calling in. How you feeling, man? Yo, what up, CP? What's up, man? How you feeling, bro? Oh, wait, let me let me say what's up to my guy Tommy, too, so he don't get salty. <laughs> <laughs> what, what up? No salt here, man. Not from the DX at all. All right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yo, so... Let's talk. I'm gonna talk about the the pros first. Um, Knox woke up a little bit. Uh, Julius Randle looked a little more decisive, although he took some questionable threes. Uh, yeah, that's it. Other than that, man, this is just really disappointing. Um, you know, at first, I want I was I was you know I didn't want I didn't want to be like oh let's get Fizz out of here, but we need to get him out of here because these little the way we just forget how to play basketball at the end of the game. It's ridiculous. It's like before we were waiting, you know, for the, for the next little fake comebacks. Now every game, I'm just waiting for us to lose that lead. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And they wait. Now they, now each game is like, they wait till later in the game. <laughs> it's like, you know, and then it's like they, they completely forget how to play ball. It's like, it reminds me of like in space jam when Patrick Ewing and, um, and Chuck and all them lost their powers, lost and, the powers. I mean, lost skills and stuff. Nah, it's nowhere, it's nowhere near a Space Jam, man, because <laughs> even in a movie, these guys are nowhere as talented. <laughs> this is like, yo, like, like, I don't want to, like, I don't understand. Like, and, it's, and I blame Fizz because, you know, you, you know, as a coach, you have to be the galvanizer, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to got to let these players know, hey, don't give up, don't give up. And everybody wants to talk about, oh, we don't have a closer. But to me, it's, it's about the other end on the floor. It's like we, we start make, we start playing horrible defense after playing great defense all game. Like, I, I just don't, I don't understand. Yeah. All right. I um, appreciate the call, man. I mean, listen. Yeah. Uh, definitely no Space Jam. But <laughs> I'm sure, like I said, when, when we go through some of the, the film that Tommy broke down, yeah, I think we're going to see some of it is on phase. But plays got to execute. And give credit to the Celtics when they turned the defense up, just like when Philly did. We had a 17-point lead. As soon as Philly turned that defense up in the third quarter, all bets were off. Because that's when things starting to tighten up with the Knicks. We go away from what got us the lead and what got us going. We get into more iso ball. We start turning the ball over. And again, that, that's on the players, some of the younger players too, that, that have to get it together and just execute down the stretch. Yeah, and I, like I was saying before, I, there's no website for this. Basketball Reference doesn't have it. I'm thinking about maybe doing it. I don't want to give away an idea, but maybe I just did. I mean, if you were to, to track everyone, I'm sure maybe Synergy does it. I'm sure people in the league do it. I'm sure the Celtics do it. Um, Stevens has to be the best out of timeout coach in the league by a lot. And if he's not, he's, you know, it's him, Pop, you know, a couple other guys over the course of a few years, not just this year. Um, so, with that being said, you know, when you talk about needing to have a closer, what I'm, what I think fans are most disappointed in is not losing to the elite teams down the stretch. You know, not that Boston necessarily is elite, but they've been up there last couple of years, maybe this year. Kemba's obviously playing really well, could take them to, to the next level. 
but it's more of, you know, what about the middle of the road and the, the lower echelon teams that don't have the elite coaches? Um, you know, why aren't they finishing out those games that they could win? You know, the, the, the Hornets game is a great example. We'll talk about that yeah. later. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think from a frustration perspective, everybody shares that within not only the organization, but the, you know, the coaching staff, um, but the players and the fans as well. And, and that's, um, you know, that's something that definitely is, is part of the work that's, that's trying to be fixed. And, um, you know, just, just got to take it day by day. I hate to sound, sound uh, hyperbolic, but that's, you know, that's, that's the focus I think going forward if you're the coaches and, uh, and the players. I, I hear that, man. Salute to everybody in the chat. Once again, hit that thumbs up for you boys. I want to salute Jack Peters, Delano Steele. What's going on, Delano? Matthew Core checking in from Wiltshire, England. What's going on, Matthew? Uh, definitely want to shout out KR, Andrew Dell, Daryl Walsh checking in from Ireland. Green Lantern, Ishmael Revis, what's, what's going on, everybody? Salute to everybody on Team Hashtag New. Uh, definitely want to shout out Michael Parker, sends us a super chat. He says, uh, salute to the Knicks family. He says, once Fizz gets fired, I don't see him getting another head coaching job, maybe assistant coach. I, I don't know. Uh, I got a good one on that yeah. one, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this one. I know you're a football guy. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you're a Giants guy. You Giants, 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 diehard Giants fan. I can't think of a time in New York sports least in recent memory where two coaches are like pretty similar in terms of um track record and sort of being on you know thin ice at the same time with the possibility of maybe you know um not getting another opportunity to be head coaches and Shermer is one and and i think coach fizdale is 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 not that maybe not there yet um, and hopefully won't get there. Neither of them will get there because you, you never want to see people lose their jobs, especially, you know, like it's sentimental during the holidays. Um, but can you think of a time, like, do you not see the parallels that, that I may be seeing? Between For sure. I mean, hey, take it and, to the, take it to the Mets with Callaway. They just got rid of Callaway. Mickey. So, <laughs> so yeah. that was his first job though. That was his first well, job. Yeah. 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 Um, it's not, not a good sign right now. Not a good sign for, for New York sports. Not at all. I, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm not on the fire for his bandwagon, man. I, I tell these guys all the time. I'm just not with it. I don't see, um, the point in, in doing a midseason firing. Again, I'd like to see, uh, what he does with the talent upgrade, but, do I, if you're asking me if I trust him with the development of the youngsters right now, I'm going to lead towards no. But I would like to see if, if it can improve. You know, I would like to see if it can improve. But right now, I'm not sure I, I trust him from a development standpoint. Maybe if, if the talent had had a serious upgrade during free agency, as we had hoped, maybe he would have been a better uh, fit for a more, you know, established win-now team. But uh, for the young guys, I'm just not so sure. The guy's a basketball guy. He's a basketball lifer. He's, he'll be a great, he's going to be great, whatever he does. You know, if it's a coordinator's position, maybe he gets another opportunity. You know, it, it's, it's a very difficult situation, you know, for, from a um, developmental standpoint, coming off of, um, you know, a, a situation in Memphis when he had a lot of veterans. And now he's got to sort of, and, and got them to the playoffs, you know, which proved a, a lot about him, about him as a, as a basketball coach and a basketball mind. Um, you know, I think where, where we are now uh, in the league is, you know, at a time where I don't know if players necessarily care, you know, what he did with LeBron James in 2012, 2013 and, and Dwayne Wade, 2012, 2013, you know, 
certain guys were how old at that time, you know, 13, 12, um, you know, it, for me, from a developmental standpoint, um, it's important to, as we talked about before, you know, make sure that Knox is on the right track, get Knox, look where Jason Tatum is at, right? You're not saying that I'm not saying Knox is going to ever be as good as Jason Tatum, but Jason Tatum in three, four years is now one of the leagues, you know, on the verge of being an elite player and all an all NBA player and Jalen Brown, who coming out, I wasn't a big fan of, uh, I didn't think he was going to really translate. He was a wing who couldn't really shoot, you know, didn't have great form, not a lot of flexibility, but all of a sudden has come into a situation, come into his own. And now is a legitimate scorer in the NBA. And it's, there's not a all-star, but maybe he's right at that caliber if, if things break right for him but he's a really good third or fourth player on a very, very good team. And, and that's development. That's getting the, the draft picks to take that next step. And that, that's what needs to happen with Knox. Obviously it needs to happen with RJ and, you know, their picks moving forward. Hopefully you can get elevate a guy like Dotson and, and Mitch Robinson certainly is, uh, is, is a player on the rise, but in a short time to get those players there, um, you know, that's going to, that's going to be on the coach and that's, that's really, you know, what the job is at this point. Like, like when I look at Fizdale, let's take let's take a look at Mitch. You just mentioned Mitch. How how do we get Mitch to be more disciplined um, out there defensively? It just seems like night in and night out, he's just picking up ticky tack fouls um, and just really just costing himself an opportunity to really make his impact on the game. I don't have the answer for that. The only thing that I could even begin to guess. I was watching a game the other night at, at, uh, at the Garden, and Philly brought in uh, Norvell Pell, uh, who's their backup center. He's kind of been in and out of the league, just getting into the league, was a G League guy. And he, there's a baseline out-of-bounds play, and right away they, they just set a back screen for him. They throw the ball up to the rim. I, I think he dunked it. He may have missed it, but I think he either got fouled or whatever. Um, but they ran a play for him. And it, all of a sudden, you know, bench goes nuts and, you know, the energy goes up. And next thing, you know, the first play of the game, Pell got dunked on by Randall, the first play that he was in. But he was very active the rest of the game and, and, and engaged and um, even blocked Robinson at one point at the rim. Yeah, after Robinson, after Randall after, bodied him in, in chalk, yeah. he, uh, he came back ferocious, man. He was not taking anything in the paint. And, and I think that baseline out of bounds play for him really did a lot for his confidence because nobody could block it, nobody could guard it, and he was able to go up and get it. And it was an easy play for him because he's a big, it's like Robinson too. Like if they just had a set play for him where they knew that he was going to catch a dunk, not just in pick and roll, not in five on five, but maybe like a baseline out of bounds thing where it's like, all right, you know, this is, you know, call it whatever it is. I know it's probably an elementary thought for the, for the coaches in the NBA. Um, but that sort of stuff would trigger him to be, you know, not that he's not engaged defensively, but just to be smarter. Don't go for the pump. Yeah. Get the stop. You know, listen to what everybody's telling you. You know, when the when the game is going crazy and it's moving really fast, don't go for the hesitation. Don't go for the head fake. Um, you know, and, and just stay on your feet and play good defense. I, I think those things go a long way. Um, and again, that's part of development too. All part of it, man. Back to the phone. Sergio joins us. Sergio from Jersey. How you feeling, man? Yo, what's up, CP? What's up, Tommy? How you feeling? Happy feel, belated man? holidays, brother. You, you too, man. You too, man. 
Yo, I'm not going to defend my boy today. Today I want to talk about Dennis Smith Jr., right? I think I've looked at him enough to think that he's not the answer. I mean, this team seems to be tailor-made for a pass-first point guard. You know, I think a player like Rondo would would do wonders for our team, almost what Rubio did for the Suns. And I think there are some players out there who kind of could help us, but we could also get rid of them to a degree. And this might sound crazy, but Lonzo Ball is falling out of favor. He's a pass-first point guard. I know he gets hurt, but I think that he's a player that can help us. I think we need to – it's about time. I think we need to give up on Dennis Smith Jr. I've seen enough personally. And I really think we need to get our hands on Robert Covington. You know what I'm saying? Lonzo Ball and Robert Covington. Tommy, what do you think about that? You're, you're talking to someone who wrote scouting reports for Covington when he was in the G League. Um, has a very big piece, uh, part of my heart, because um, he's a tremendous story. He's a tremendous kid and ha- very happy for the success that he had and has had. Um, and, and I feel like he's a player that Philly probably regrets giving, uh, giving up. Um, they were playing, you know, really well. He was part of the Butler tr- trade, I believe. Yeah. Um, and just, a, I think, a guy that you always – James Ennis is another one of those guys. He was on Philly. You watched him the other night. Um, you know, those guys, you want those type of guys in your organization without question. Uh, I, I love the, the call out on Rubio in, in Phoenix. Uh, they dropped a couple, but um, he's really helping Booker develop to the next level in the way that he did with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, Lonzo is an interesting one. I think it's a, it's a, it's on the right track. Rondo, I, I think I don't think Rondo fits this group. No. Um, but I, but I think um, Lonzo is an interesting one because it, again, it comes down to a decision, right? Um, and what you've seen from this front office, which is really smart in my opinion, is that they're 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 willing to take chances on guys who they don't have to commit to, young guys that they don't have to commit to. You know, even if it doesn't work out with Dennis Smith Jr., sure everybody's going to say, oh. You know, he was part of the Porzingis trade, but he wasn't the reason why they traded Porzingis. They didn't they didn't trade Porzingis to get Dennis Smith Jr. He was part of the deal. Right. If he if he doesn't if he doesn't stay here, and uh, you know they bring somebody in from the, from the draft, or if they bring in another uh, player that they take another chance on, um, it's it's a wash either way, in my opinion. Um, and I think you may be on the right track with Ball. I think Ball is definitely a pass first guy, still very very young, good defender. Um, I just don't know if you want to be in the LeVar ball business. Um, yeah, that's my thing, man. I, I don't know, man. That, that that type of volatility, I just don't know. Even his little brother, man. I mean, listen, LaMelo smoking it down in, in the NBL, back-to-back triple doubles. He and RJ Hampton went at it the other night. Um, obviously he's got the size that, that I like at, at the guard spot. You know, no, no offense, Alonzo. But um, I'd rather just go in the draft. You know, I'd rather just start fresh. Go in the draft. This is the if we were going to get a point guard, this would be the draft to go get one. Uh, the the draft is, is certainly very deep. Even even though I would just go best player available, man. Like how could you pass up on a guy like Anthony Edwards? There's, there's no way. I would draft Anthony Edwards in a heartbeat and slide RJ to the three. I've been trying to stay away from talking about um, this upcoming draft. Yeah, it's early, very, very early, early. very early. Uh, I. When, when, when the time comes, then we'll, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the point guards. I got to see a little bit more of LaMelo. I've been watching Cole Anthony around here since he was about 14. Um, and, and he's exceptional. Um, 
want to see a little bit more, uh, obviously, in North Carolina, but um, we'll talk about that when the time comes. But, you know, I think overall, to, to the to Dennis Smith Jr. point, um, let's see how this continues to play yeah. out. You know, he's, he saw some bursts today. Um, you know, he, he needs to get himself, himself in better shape. Um, just c- coming back, he hasn't played. His back's been an issue. Um, so, you know, let's, let's see what, uh, let's see what the future holds here. I'm with it too, man. I'm definitely with it too. You know, like I said, I I definitely don't want to see them just completely give up on the kid, but he's been puzzling. Let's just be honest. We, we, we definitely, uh, were looking forward to seeing what type of season he would come with, uh, based on the trade last year. And it's just, it's been a more down than up so far again tonight. He looked pretty good. I don't know if, if that was an extension of minutes. Or, or what, you know, it's left to be seen. Let's, let's see what happens tomorrow. I, I, we don't know what Frank um, Frank's status is going to be, so let's see how DSA comes out tomorrow going to get to a, a dog like uh, Bledsoe and those guys, man. And, and I know everybody roots for every player for the most part. And, you know, it's, for me, I, Frank may have played his best game as a pro against Philly, too, the other night. And uh, maybe not his best game. Maybe his best overall game. He was, he was very active. Um, really good passing, rebounding, et cetera. And then to have him get hurt, hopefully that's not serious. You know, it's just, that's how crazy the league is. He starts, he miss, he starts the game, he misses the layup, comes back down, drills the three and is playing. You can see he's playing with a lot of swagger and, and, you know, that's what they want to him to, to play with. And he's starting to respond. And then, you know, it's the, the unfortunate injury happens. So we'll have to see what happens there. But I think we could agree He's taken his game to a different level in a place or at a time where, you know, Smith hasn't yet. So um, maybe now it's, it's Dennis's turn to see if he can, um, you know, take a step forward. Elevate. Agreed. I think we, we can agree. We've seen a different Frank this year at times, and, and that's, um, that's a positive. True story. True story, man. What do you guys in the chat think about DSJ, man? Leave us a comment in the chat or leave us a comment on this video if you're watching later on. Let us know your thoughts about DSJ, about Frank. That's about the point guard situation overall. Uh, definitely want to shout out Jay Money. He's team hashtag new. Salute to Jay Money. Mr. Knicks 101, what's going on? Apple fanboy, how's it going? want to shout out um, Ryan Hay checking in from Australia. Ryan Hay, what's going on? CP the artist in here as well. Okay, back to the phones. Let's go to uh, Carl from Detroit. Carl, what's going on, man? How you feeling, bro? Hey, man. I'm feeling all right, man. How y'all boys doing? Pretty good, man. What's up, Carl? Happy Thanksgiving. All right, excellent, excellent. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, man. Happy holidays to your family, both of you, man. Hey, man, what I want to talk about is that there's really three things that's kind of really bothering me about the Knicks right now. Number one... It just seems like a reoccurring theme with this guy says at the end, he seems to always botch our lineups. He always blows them. Like, to me, he left RJ out too long. There's no way that Allington should have been in that long. I mean, literally, Brad Stevens put in his best players. They went on a run. And then all of a sudden, we put in our best players. It's like we're playing catch-up. You know what I'm saying? That's my that. And the other thing that's really killing me right now is as talented as he is, I think Julius Randle's our most talented player. But I think he disrupts our chemistry the most out of all of our players. As great as he is, he sometimes he looks fantastic. Sometimes he looks like that he is the single reason why we have the record that we have this season. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, listen, with Julius being the number one option, that that's just how it's going to look. You know, sometimes he, he's going to make the right play, and sometimes it's going to look like he's just doing way too much. I still think he, he still needs to get better in terms of recognizing the double teams and the triple teams passing out of it 
um, getting guys easier looks. He, he certainly looked off a couple guys sometimes. So uh, you, de- you definitely want to see that um, out of Julius. I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, doesn't that go back to your man Fizz, though? Don't, doesn't Fizz have to do a better job of rolling, rolling these dudes in? Yeah, but I just think we this just is why don't I think have we got to get rid of Fizz, I, I man. Think... I think he's too nice of a guy. He's cool. He's a great communicator. All yeah. that's good and everything. But just because he's a cool guy doesn't mean he's the right guy. Sometimes the guy that you're, that you're cool, that you can hang out and have a good time with, isn't the guy that's going to get the best out of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen, uh, it's all fair points. I, I think in, in terms of the rotation, I just think some, you just don't have the depth right now, man. Like, you, you can't even uh, afford to give these guys a breather because certain guys come out, like RJ comes out, and the wheels just fall off, man. Or sometimes Frank comes out and, the, you know, the wheels just fall off. I just think sometimes we, we just don't have the proper depth. And Fizz has, has had a tough job, especially in the two Philly games, in terms of just getting a feel for when to get guys back into the game. Now, Tommy, what's your thoughts on that? So when I watched the game the other night, it's interesting Interesting you said that, not only at the guard position, but also at the big position. So Brett Brown did a really good job of taking Embiid out in the first quarter very early and then forcing uh, Fizz to, quarter, to sort of bring Robinson into the game, and Robinson got foul trouble sort of quickly. But then he brought Brown brought Embiid back before the end of the first quarter, so he was able to keep that game from being a – yeah, fifteen point game, eighteen point. Well, the next, you know, their free throws helped that happen as well. But those little chess moves within the game to say, all right, I'm gonna take Embiid out at six. I'm gonna bring him back in at two in the first quarter, two minutes, and then to close the game, uh, the quarter, and instead of it being a fifteen point game, it's a nine or ten or eleven point game, whatever it was. Instead of it, you know, being a complete blowout, um, I thought was interesting, and he kept doing it, and they never countered that, and that sort of, I think put uh, Robinson in a little bit of a tailspin where he didn't have all of his, his energy at the end of the game when he probably needed it. Not that you want to match up Robinson and, and Embiid together um, against each other, but, you know, let's face it, he's, he's probably as, uh, as good of a matchup as they have against Embiid, who's, who's a very brutal uh, matchup as well. Um, but as, as much as anybody anyway. But, you know, I, I, I think those little things, if you watch it um, in that way, you know, can get you a little frustrated about uh, some decisions. Um, offensively, I just think he wants he wants guys to play with freedom and, and play with flow, similarly to how D'Antoni coaches, um, not necessarily calling plays and, you know, just letting continuity and the ball movement, you know, make things happen. Um, and I think Randall, Randall is a foil to that philosophy, if that's uh, – I think that's the fairest, fairest way of saying it. Well said, man. All right, Carl, appreciate the call, man. Let's go to uh, Dan from Long Island. Dan, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for taking the call. Yep. Um, you know, a couple of things real quick. You know, I feel like I call every every time I talk to you, I'm, I'm talking about the point guard play. So I got to be honest, I thought DSJ played well tonight. I mean, listen, you know, they weren't empty stats. You know, I think two turnovers tonight, right? Seven assists. I can live with that 17 points. He didn't walk in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's, you know, I know everybody's going to say he's out of shape. I don't know how long it takes you to get back in shape. I mean, I know he had his family issues, his back, whatever. Listen, he's 21 years old. He had all summer. He's trying to rebuild himself. Yeah, that's what I'm to, saying. You know, resurrect a career, which was having a tough time. So I, I don't know. You know, the excuses are tough. And, you know, the, the, this is my knock on Fizbo. And this is what I really. And I know I'm a broken record, man, but I, I, it, it drives me insane. 
there is no structure defensively. I agree, guys, that, that play has got to make plays, all right? But in the fourth quarter, it's about setup. That's about practice. That's about having an identity. And it's about being set up to defend. And I just don't think that we're set up to defend. And again, let's be honest. If he was winning, it wouldn't bother me. I can't watch his presses after the game. He sits there, there, that look on his face, hangs up like, you know, like it's not like, you know, he's responsible for part of this, isn't he? You know, and, and I know there's apologists who want to say it was not his fault. He didn't construct the roster. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. Listen, I thought part of the reason we brought him in, maybe I'm wrong, was his Miami pedigree. And that's that pedigree where they take people you never heard of and they make them good NBA players. Sure, it's true. And sure I thought do. that was part of it. You know, and, 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 and here we are now. Knox has gone backwards. He looked better in summer league. He, he, had a, he brought a jump shot with him to the fall in, in October. Yep. He brought parts of his game look better. Right now, he looks terrible. And here's the last thing I want to mention. You know, and I saw someone tweeted this before, and I, I had my son pointed out to me earlier. You know, again, they're looking at this in 10-game ten, in ten blocks. And again, this isn't my, my thought, but 2-8, and eight, here's another 10-game block, 2-8. and eight. And defense is actually getting worse. And, and that is something that I don't understand. And my last point, fellas, I'll leave you at this. Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'm not, uh, you know, when you, uh, I told you I had mad respect for you, but you talk about Morris and him being a Nick, you know, closer to a Nick player or an old school Nick player. L- let's be honest. And again, I, I'm not, uh, I know you're an expert. You watch all the games. I, I watch only what I watch on TV. If you're not going to tell me that the seven boards a game that Morris uh, averages, are not the softest seven boards in the NBA. You got to be kidding me. My man hasn't gotten a big board in a big spot. And to me, that makes him a three. He ain't a four. And I know the NBA's changed somewhat, but he's a decent man on man defender. He doesn't rebound when you need him to. And yes, he's having a nice season offensively. I get that. But, you know, I think we can move on. If we can get something for him, let's move on because, you know, to me, he's a journeyman. Knox is a lottery pick. He's here for a reason. I need to see him play. And I know you said before, why not play both? If Fizdale could work that out, great, but he doesn't seem to be doing it now. Gentlemen, thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it, Dan. Good, good call, man. Great good point, call. Dan. Uh, great Tommy, point. how you want to? How you want to? Uh, what do you want? Which point you want to take first? The Mars point or, or uh, the Fizdale point? Yeah, I, I think rebounds. Uh, you know, from a I, you have to look at it more closely from a tough rebound perspective. You know, clutch rebounding. Um, you know, I just see him as a player that, um, is boxing out a guy, making, making a play for another guy, you know, you want to call him hockey assist rebounds, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like he just, he, his positioning is always really good. Um, he's, he's, he can make shots off the catch. He's a screener. He's going to, you know, he's going to body guys. Um, he's, he's, I, I think he's a good, I think he's a good overall two-way player on a really, really good team. I'm not saying he's a guy that is going to be your starting three or your starting four, you know, if you're a 55 win team, although he was on the Celtics, right. He was a player that would start. He's, you know, he's a rotation piece. He was, you know, you know, I, I think they miss him and I think they're going to miss his toughness come playoff time. And, and that's when we'll really see, um, you know, the value of him uh, and, and what he meant to them, you know, what he means to the Knicks now on a four and 16 team, you know, I, I can see that it's, you know, it's, it's, he's not getting all the rebounds in November and that maybe that's not the type of player that he is. Um, I just like that. He, uh, every single night, as I said before, since he's really, since he's been in the league and he's settled down and um, he's always played with the edge. 
He's always played with the energy. You know what you're going to get from him every night. That's a professional. That's a pro. Uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of those guys. And, and the really good teams have all of those guys, seemingly. Um, but on a young team, you want to teach that to the younger players. And that's why I think, um, you know, I, I have a, a, a big affinity for him. Yeah. He's not the greatest player in the world, but I like him. And I, I, I like him. I, I like Morris. Trust me, I, I like him. And if this team was in a different space, I would definitely advocate for keeping him. Because, listen, he's having a career year. His, his points are up. His rebounds are up. He's averaging six boards a year compared to the four. As you said, you know, what you know? What what type of rebounds is he getting? When is he getting it in crunch time? All that matters. I haven't really looked at it um, in, in that regard. That's something I'll have to take a closer look at. But I think in, his three point shooting numbers are up. I think overall his defense is, is pretty good. You know, so I, I like what Marsh has given us. But I agree with Dan that um, you know if you can get a good deal for him, I would certainly look to move him. I think we all agree, we all agree on that. Yeah, this was uh, Mike Vorkinov's tweet. He says um, the press conference. Before Steve Scott Perry and Steve Mills was November 10th, they said they wanted to take a look at things in 10 game blocks. First came, 10 games, Knicks are 2 and 8, 30th in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating. The last 10, they're 20, 2 and 8, 24th in offensive rating, 23 in defensive rating. So uh, I would say a little bit more of the same. Um, offense, I guess, has, has uh, ticked up a little bit. But again, I think, again, you, you want to look at the signs in the game, right? Um, how are they competing? How are the young guys playing? How's RJ doing? How's Frank? How's DSJ, Mitch? You know, we I think we still have to look at it from the development lens uh, more so than, than the wins and, and losses. But, but what's your take on that? The press, we haven't talked about the press conference, have we? I guess not. Um, I think, yeah, when it first, first happened, we definitely did. We did, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Since then, I think what we saw, like, I, the first game I went to was the other night, as you said, against Philly, as I said earlier. Um, you know, you would have thought that that team was 500, you know, and watching them and they, the energy within the building. Um you know, tonight I think was more. They, they have this habit on Sundays of of uh, you know sort of not playing their best, not even close to their best, and being we've seen them in, you know been pretty embarrassing over the last uh, you know few Sundays at the Garden, um, which you know is, is going to upset a lot of people in the building. Um, we haven't seen that as much. They certainly competed for a long time tonight, um, so it, it wasn't an embarrassment. It wasn't the Kings. Right. It was, uh, yeah. it, this was a, a much quality team. It's a quality team. I think they're playing better. Um, you know, just a couple of things to nitpick on uh, for me. Um, just a, a quote the other day from, from uh, Coach Fisdale saying, you know, when asked about why Alonzo Trier's not playing, um, you know, he said, I've got four or five, I've got like four or five two guards. Um, you know, those sort of things. Uh, I don't know are going to endear himself to a, you know, maybe a, a group that's not, that he's not, uh, um, you know, that they're not happy with him. Right. At, at this point. Um, so, you know, overall they're playing harder. Um, you know, they're, they're a, a bit more competitive, but the record is what it is. Right. Yeah. Two, two clips in a row, a quarter into the season, you're talking about, four and 16 overall, two and eight, two and eight, um, a quarter of the way through, 
do the simple math. That's 16 wins. Um, certainly not good enough. Not at all, man. And then we got Milwaukee Bucks coming in tomorrow. We got the Denver Nuggets on the docket. So schedule just uh, doesn't get any easier. All right, I want to go to another call, and then I want to um, get to some film breakdown on Fizdale and, and the uh, the after timeout action that, that the Knicks just can't seem to to get right. Andrew from Westchester, you're up next. How are you feeling, man? Yep. Hello? Hello? Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, hey. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I um, really, really love the show. Thank you. I'm calling. And um, there's a number. Oh, you got to you gotta call back, man. Uh, your, your, um, your connection isn't good. Uh, Jay from North Carolina, you up next. How you doing, man? Hello? I'm good, man. What's happening with y'all fellas, man? It's been a long time since I spoke to y'all, man. Long time. Been a minute, man. How you doing? I'm not feeling... I'm I'm good, man. Happy holidays, man. I'm not feeling good at all about the season, man. I know a lot of people they're like that too. My thing, Jim Jones had an album called "Wasted Talent," point blank. We on the verge of wasting all our good youth talent. Fizdale was brought in here to recruit, not the coach. He failed on recruiting. He was a big name coming out of Miami. Point blank. If he didn't bring in a recruit, we probably gonna need to get rid of him. But our young our young crop, we got to develop them, man. We got to develop them. The last time I spoke to you, I said the same thing. The reason why them guys didn't come over here to New York and went to Brooklyn, cause them guys was ready. We got to get our crop ready for the two thousand and twenty two free agency. So who, who's your coach? Right who's now, your coaching? We are not, who, who's your guy? Who's my coaching answer? Yeah. Who do I got? Yep. I told you before it was Mark Jackson. <laughs> okay, okay. All I right. told you before it was Mark Jackson. See, you gotta look at the development. When Step went to um when Step went to Golden State and Mark was there, the first thing he told me until you learn how to handle this rock, you're gonna just be a jump shooter. He showed that man how to Riverside Church handle that rock. And that's the difference in his game. That's why he's a complete animal. By far, injury. We need somebody to come in there and show these guys their weaknesses on their game. I hear the last guy told my cat that you can't not jump shot. He's been had a jump shot. I don't need you to develop the jump shot no more. I need you to be able to go to the rack, do this and that. All that talk about getting rid of Morrison, man, that's our young Charles Oakley. That's our heart and soul, <laughs> man. This man wait, lead the league in efficiency on three-point shooting. He's a heart and soul on defense. He's not scared to fail. That's the problem. Some of these guys are scared to fail. What I mean is he's, he's not scared to make the big play, even if, it don't, if, if, even if it doesn't lead to a bucket. We don't have nobody that's not scared to make the wrong play at a crucial time. Randall is in the way. He don't even deserve to have Bernard King jersey on. That's the first mistake. What are you doing? <laughs> Melo didn't wear that. He didn't wear that. It should have been Morrison free agency got that money that what Randall got, and we should have got Brogdon at the point. I told y'all that six months ago. That was the fed. You hey, should have gave Brogdon that money that you gave to Randall. Imagine Brogdon and RJ in the backcourt together right now. 
Hey, Brock, Brogdon's playing well, Happy man. Happy call. Th- th- thanks for the call, Jay. Jay called with some passion, man. I love it. I love it, Tommy, man. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Um, so he says he wants he wanted Mark Jackson, man. What do, what do you think about that one? I mean, for a lot of people, I think they, they think it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, for how it ended in Golden State, a lot of people would think maybe probably not a good idea. Uh, a lot of, you know, stuff that – um, came out, reported, and who knows what's what's true and what's not true, uh, other than you know what we what we know to, to be true. Um, I, I don't know if Mark would have taken the job. I'm just thinking out loud. I, I mean, he was part of the conversation, um, but you know, for me, I just feel like, yeah, he's a development guy, but he's also a guy who really wants to win. And you know, these jobs, the the the, the lower 10 jobs that open up in the league are for a lot of first time guys to prove themselves and for guys who have already proven themselves to get a second chance. You know, the, they, a lot of guys sort of wait, you know, lay back and wait for a team to get a little bit better and say, I can take that 35 win team to a 45 win team. Right. Um, I think Mark's more of that guy, um, but I could be wrong. I think he, he would love to coach here. I'm sure. Um, you know, just comes down to, um, you know, sort of what what the next steps are. Um, but I don't think any, and I know no coach, you know, worth their weight um, from a character perspective ever wants to talk about a job that has, is not open, right? Um, so, you know, I, would he be a fit here? I, I think from a, from a histor- historical standpoint, just the connection with the Knicks. Now, remember, I think people think back to, you know, when he was a rookie, he also played for the Pacers too. And he also hated the Knicks when he played, played for the Pacers. I hated um, him when he played for the Pacers. Right. And he left here uh, in that Charles Smith trade when Riley was like, listen, you're not a good enough defender. Um, and he'll tell you that. Uh, Mark will tell you that. Um, that that carried him throughout the course of his career, which ended up being another, what, about 10 years. Then he ended up, uh, you know, I guess the last part of his career here. Um you know, he's, he's a name that, you know, if, if something were to happen with the current coach, um, I'm sure he'd be part of a discussion. Uh, I'm just, I'm not sure that's an internal discussion, but it'll be a public discussion for sure. Well said, man. Um, so in that regard, so to everybody in the chat once again, this is Nick's Post Game Live, CP from Nick's Fan TV. My man Tommy D checking in, filling in for Jay Ellis tonight. If you're a diehard Knicks fan, make sure you subscribe to the channel. This is the home for you. This is the home where we talk about Nick's news, Nick's rumors, and post game live analysis featuring live callers. As you just heard, uh, a passionate Jay from North Carolina just gave his takes on who he wants in the coaching ring. Uh, so speaking of coaching, Tommy, let's get to um, the, these after-timeout plays because I think it was, it was real fitting that a lot of the Knicks stumbling and bumbling down the stretch of this game came from after the timeout, some uncostly turnovers that led to uh, some Celtics baskets. Uh, you, had, you had drafted up some, um, some film in the past games in terms of uh, the execution and lack thereof. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Let me know when you're ready to play it so we, so we can uh, be in queue. Let's do it. I'm good. All right, let's do it. Press play. Cool. So as we talked about during the week, and it was really uh, appreciated, uh, the, the back and forth, after timeouts, 
is about strategy, communication, and execution from a coaching standpoint. And coming into this game, the Knicks were negative 2.4 in terms of points per game in after timeout situations. Other teams were scoring 105 points to their 59 points, which is a problem. Now, it becomes exacerbated. Uh, we, I didn't do the video, you know, before tonight's game. Uh, I did it before, not after. So, you know, everybody remembers the Hornets game uh, where Graham makes the shot at the buzz or, uh, with two seconds left. And then, you know, when their coach makes a great after timeout play uh, and your coach does not, you know, it's, it certainly uh, makes everybody feel like, oh, you know, we got out coached and it's a, it's a coaching thing. I am not sitting here saying it is a coaching thing. I'm saying it's a situational thing. Here's Brett Brown Friday night. This is what really caught my eye when I was at the game. Notice the score, 43-32, calls timeout after a Randall basket and runs a, like a pretty neat little pick and roll there. I killed it while I was watching it, but actually worked which led to an N1. Notice that's nine points. That's three possessions. We talked about that actually kept them in the game the first half. They ended up winning the game. That was the reason why they won the game, but it kept them in the game. We know about Brad Stevens. We saw it again tonight. Here he is at a timeout. It doesn't have to be a genius play. He just has to get his guy at the top of the key or Kemba Walker making a big shot when they're up one. That makes it a two-possession game. When you can do that and then do this, when it's a tie game with four seconds left and isolate your best player who's a closer and Jason Tatum, give him the confidence in the no-lose situation. If he misses it, you go overtime. If you make it, place goes nuts. But here, the Knicks don't have a timeout, so they don't have an answer for it because they ran out of timeouts and they weren't able to score. Again, 14-0 in the first two games, the Celtics overmatched the Knicks in out-of-timeout plays. That's how, after timeout plays, that's how important it is. Now, Fizz can do it as well. It's not that they, they, they struggle. Here he calls timeout against the Nets uh, earlier in the season, and he gets a, a, a pretty decent opportunity here for Morris late in the clock. But just notice it's a, it's a mid-range shot. It's nothing dynamic. It's not an in-rhythm three-pointer. It's a, it's a good play. But what the Nets are able to do and how they free guys up is something like this, which, again, takes a three-possession game to a four-possession game. So, again, we talk about strategy, communication, and execution – other teams are doing it. The Knicks have to do a much better job, and I think everybody would agree with that. Got, got to do a much better job, man, especially when, when you're looking to get uh, as many possessions as you can and obviously execute on those. Um, it's, it's just not good. And I wanted to pull up the graphic that you had uh, with the Knicks against all the other teams on the schedule in terms of the out-of-timeout uh, execution because it was just dreadful. I mean, the, the Celtics won alone 14 to zip in the first two games. Uh, that you know, Again, it's little things like that. Uh, that that costs you games for again and i want to be clear on this this is not necessarily like a, an indictment on the coach and and the job that that coaching staff has done these uh, they're playing against teams where coaching staffs have been together a long time yes there's been some roster turnover um they have go-to guys which makes the job a lot easier but when i look at stevens and his creativity and and even kenny atkinson brett brown you know guys who are in the division um you know with the creativity and and being able to, to, to call those plays and ex have the players execute, those are daggers. Those are big shots and big moments that to the point of, okay, this is no longer a two-possession game. It's a three-possession game. Or it's not a three-possession game. It's a four-possession game. That's the in-game stuff that makes it very difficult to get over the hump and win those games. What did you make of – I forget which game it was after the Charlotte game, but it looks like they actually drew up the same play 
uh, from the sh- that Charlotte had executed on them with Devontae Graham. I, it may have been the Brooklyn game. They tried to run the same play for Wayne Ellington. What, what did you think about that? He likes to run plays for Ellington, which I like because Ellington's a heck of a shooter and, you know, you're going to get some three-point looks as long as you execute properly. That Hornets possession at the end of that game, if you look at the picture of Frank defending it, he, his, his hand was right almost on the ball. He almost got a piece of it. In fact, afterwards he said he thought he got a piece of it. That was run so perfectly, perfect cut, perfect bounce pass. Graham, of course, had hit, what, eight three-pointers already, I think, where um, maybe the, the decision needs to improve a little bit is you can't just bring Ellington in off the bench when he hasn't really played a lot of minutes or made any shots. He's not that great of a shooter. Um, he's a great shooter, um, but if he hits four or five and then you want to run something for him in a spot when he's in a flow, um, you're going to have a better chance than just kind of bringing him off the bench and then running something for him when he's cold because um, that's, you know, I, I think the odds of that going in is, are, are, are a lot smaller. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, listen, you, you just got to hope again when, you, when you're talking about improvements. Those are certainly some things to, to pay attention to as this team continues forward and, and hoping they can continue to, to uh, execute, draw up a bit better uh, plays there after the timeouts because, again, it, it's crucial. And I think also um, the communication. I, I think the communication ha- has been off on these as well, as you noted. Also on the defensive end. You know, um, a caller a while ago had called in about um, some of the, the lack of defense. And I think a lot of it is, um, again, just just not rotating, not communicating. And, and they've, they've mentioned the trust word. They've, they've brought it up several times. Uh, the, the players just not really trusting each other on the defensive end. That leads to a lack of communication. And, and it just it just the plays just break down and you, you're getting wide open three point looks. A lot of it, too, is also um, experience. If a guy's coming to set a screen, a lot of times young players will move before the screen gets there, and that sort of nullifies the screen. I've seen Knox do that. Knox loves to leave before the screen gets yeah. there, so his defender is able to get through the screen instead of having to, to run into the screen. Um, you know, that's I think that's where Fisdale, uh, Coach Fisdale, relies a lot on Ellington because he does have that uh, you know that savviness to be able to free himself, even though he's not the greatest athlete in the world. You know, he's not the fastest guy. Um, but he's able to get a shot off. Um, again, being a young player, it takes time to learn, and, and it takes learning under you know veteran players. Which again, I, we go back to this this Knox conversation of you know if you're going to lose, you know give him experience, let him play. He's not going to get better if he's playing and making the same mistakes because he hasn't learned from anybody that he's played with. So, and again, they don't have to make a financial commitment to him yet. So he. You know, he, I think they can nurture him a little bit more this year, and if it means spending some time on the bench, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly been been left for debate on on the best way to approach this Knox situation. I just think, listen, it's just just human nature from the fan base tired of seeing these guys rack up losing, and and the whole thought process is why why lose with with these veteran players that have no future here. On the flip side, I could understand, um, you know, getting these guys some more minutes. Obviously, I would again, Portis is a guy I would like to trade. If you can trade an Ellington, I would like to trade him as well. I'm not so sure what the market commands for those type of guys compared to, say, Amaris, but it's just wishful thinking at this point. And I, I know they'll do their homework and uh, and, and explore and, and make calls and have the conversations uh, around the league to see, uh, to see what the value is and um, if there's a great opportunity, then they'll, they'll take advantage. 
Facts, man. But yeah, well, um, great job on on the uh, on the film. Definitely looking forward to to more of it, man. Appreciate that, Tommy D. Let's take a couple more calls. Let's go to um, Quentin from Long Island. He wants to check in. Quentin, how you doing, man? Great, Alex. And the White House have really Hello? themselves. Doing good, doing good, fellas. Good, man. Um, I got bad news for Knicks fans. The yeah. season is over. <laughs> well, we, well, that we knew. I mean, uh, I don't. I don't think you're, it, you're it, uh, done. Really lighting lighten the box score. Yeah, up there I, that I one, Quentin, But you know, come on. I, I, I think. I think. Um, I think we should go after Dennis Schroeder. Um, he's on a three-year contract. He's a guard that can break down the defense. Um, you know, he's not the best defender, but we haven't had a guard like that, and he's he's more consistent, and I think he would be an easier trade than um, than anything. Um, I think it's time for us to start using our draft picks as far as trade baits and things of that. And for people that think Morris is going to stay or re-sign with the Knicks, it's out of their minds. He wanted to go to the Clippers at first, but his agent messed that up. Then he went to go to That's not uh, what San Antonio, established with um with Morris. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. Yeah, finish, finish your point. I, I, I thought that's what happened. He, he was going to sign with the, um, the Clippers, but his agent told him that he could get a better deal somewhere else, and it wasn't, it wasn't what it was. Mm. But... um. I just don't think Morris is going to stay because why would he want to stay with the Knicks that are not going anywhere and he's on a one-year contract? I think um, at the trade deadline, there's going to be, you know, those teams that have the chance to win a championship and they need that extra piece. And they'll be able to give up, you know, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of those late first-round draft picks or something like that. And especially – depending on what happens with um, Andre Iguodala, if he signs with the Clippers, that's what, you know, speculations are. The Lakers are almost obligated to try to batch that for somebody to come off the bench and help out. But yeah. um, right. what do you guys think call, about man. that? Appreciate the call, man. Appreciate the call. I mean, lot to unpack. Lot, there. lot to unpack on the Schroeder thing. I say definitely not. Uh, definitely not. Not high on just going after Schroeder just because. Again, I, I need. I need a, a start over. I'm. Go, I'm in the draft, Tommy. I'm in the draft. I'm not going after Schroeder. I, you know, none of these. No more reclamation projects. I want to start fresh. Get, give me a kid with a ridiculous pedigree. Looks like we'll be in the top five, top six, uh, likely. Um, so I'm, I'm going in the draft to go get that point guard, man. And I'm not uh, inclined to. Uh, there was a time where I'm. I'd be okay with adding first round picks. Um, not at this point whatsoever. No. And there's no zero reason to take any risks whatsoever. Um, yeah. So you want to just con- continue to collect those. Just continue uh, to collect and pick. We we need talent, right? Talent, talent, talent. Continue to use the, the draft picks and, and draft some kids in here that can help this team that you can build going forward. I'm not, you know. Yeah. They, no, no need to start packaging up picks and you know start making hasty trades just for the sake of upgrades. I, I don't think that's smart. And Schrader, Schrader is a guy who's you know he's he's a good player. He's been in the league for a while. You know he, he has a big contract and um, you know but just hasn't 
taken that next step, right? Like never did. Sort of in that, and a guy who I loved as much as anybody who hasn't done that either is Reggie Jackson. You know, very same, similar. Same. Yep. Guys that are just like, and it, it's just like in the NFL. You know, you gotta, you know, you don't want that fifteen to twenty or twenty-two quarterback. Right. You want a top fifteen or top, uh, ideally a top five quarterback. Um, and you know, there's no reason to pay a fifteen to thirty. Or twenty five uh, guard um, if you don't have to. Agreed. Um, closer of the night, we're gonna go to Matt from Sarasota checking in. Matt, how you how you doing tonight, man? Oh man, guys, I'll tell you <laughs> what a the, the pressing game. We played well for most of this game, just like against Philadelphia. Games we could have had. Um, I want to touch on the coaching front. I, I'm with y'all that I, I don't want Mark Jackson. I changed my mind. I, I, I pulled it back. <laughs> you my guy is still Van Yeah, I, I looked at I looked at that whole Golden State situation and um, imparting your religious beliefs in the locker rooms is bad karma. You just don't do it. You don't do that to players. Um, I like the development aspects of him. I like the fact that he's a New Yorker. But uh, honestly, I think Van Gundy's a better coach. And I don't think there's any disputing that. He's a Pat Riley disciple. I said that last time. Alternate, uh, you got guys in the Knicks front office that were players that probably deserve a shot. I mean, you got a guy like Larry Johnson up there. You got John Starks in a community development role. I think players would respond to John Starks. Yeah. I mean, you know, not, not like for Pat. nothing. I don't, I don't know, um, you know, Larry Johnson's preference, but I know for a fact John Starks told me straight up he doesn't want to coach anything. <laughs> like, emphatic no, Tommy D. We were oh, like, yeah. what do you think about coaching? He was like, hell no. That so, is true. Starks does not want to be anywhere near this team in that regard. Maybe not. Maybe not. But um, I think Van Gundy's our answer. And if there's any way we could convince him to throw a little extra money in the pot for him, um, that would be my choice, hands down. I had read an article today that says Masai Ujiri to end up with the Knicks up top in the front office. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a dream scenario. I mean, that guy's the architect of that Toronto team. to put it together. Yeah. Hey, that'd be a beautiful um, thing, man. I appreciate the call, man. I mean, I, I think the Ujiri article, Tommy, is more just – Timing in terms of when we just played the Raptors and then pulling pulling you know s- some grass here. Uh, I saw had kind of started that earlier. Mixed um, mix for clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I felt like that was just kind of just or to in some the content. athletics in the athletics case, uh, Knicks for subscriptions. Yeah, right, right, right. Which, which when they hired Frank, didn't it didn't do themselves really any favor. Good thing uh, Mike is doing Mike V is doing a really good job there. Um, yeah. Frank is not a fan favorite of the fans whatsoever. Um, I, for me, let's look at it this way, right? If, if something, and again, I don't like doing this because these, these are, you know, men with families and it's the holidays and I don't like talking about people losing jobs. Um, uh, it's just, it makes me uncomfortable um, just because it's, you know, that these are real people. Um, if it does happen, you're not going to go on a coaching search throughout the season, you know, during the season, right. right? You're not going to go out and say, Oh, these are the top, you know, let's go interview Dave Yeager. Let's go interview Mark Jackson. Let's go interview X, Y, and Z. Um, I don't foresee them bringing in Herb Williams. 
Um, <laughs> no, although no. they have done right? no they, way, no way. That was a, and I love Herb. I saw Herb over the summer. He looks great. He's doing great. He's a he is a terrific guy. Nice. Um, and a Knicks fan favorite um, until he became the interim head coach, which um, you know I always thought was like, why you know why are you giving this guy a hard time? He's just he's doing his job. But um, I like Caleb Canales. The idea of maybe putting him in in an in interim role, um, you know, I say I like only because that you're going to have to pick from the current assistants if if something were to happen, because um, that's generally how it works. Keith Smart is also um, there, although he and Coach Fisdale are very close. Again, I don't like talking about these scenarios, um, but whatever happens, if it happens this year, um, it's going to start internally. And that, and I think fans need to get behind, um, you know, that person and that opportunity, and then you take it from there. Well, well said, man. Well said. I want to go one more caller before we wrap up. Um, this guy was waiting for a second here. Tucson <laughs> from Pennsylvania, Lancaster. What's going on, man? Well, what's going on, my people? How you doing, bro? What's up? Man, I'm good. Uh, I just had a quick, a quick question and a comment. Um, my first question is, with Kevin Knox, what are we hoping he develops into? Like a like a player comparison or best-case scenario type of thing. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, for me, obviously he's going to be a, a knockdown shooter, man. A, a knockdown shooter, somebody that you can stretch the floor with, catch and shoot. Somebody that's going to use his athleticism to get it to the rim. We, we saw Knox get aggressive with it tonight. Like a poor man's Paul George and a real, real poor man's, you know. Like, like a Dollar Tree version of Paul George. I don't know if Knox is going to be even close to all-star level, but if he can give you 14 you know, 12 to 14 a night, I think he could be an asset for this team, man. Tom, Tommy, what do you think? That's the uh, the Brandon Ingram to Kevin Durant comparison, uh, yeah. the Knox to George. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, he's... Poor man, poor man, George. Not, you know, not, yeah, not an you. identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. I got you, I got you. You're talking you. about a, a killer instinct is, is on complete polar opposites when it comes to those two, so... I say real poor man's Paul George. I would like to see Knox develop into a player who maybe doesn't even have a comparison. I, I like a guy who can play, you know, you can give him the ball and run pick and roll and he can, you know, he can shoot threes and you can come off screens and, you know, be a catch and shoot guy. Um, you want him to be, to, to have a little bit more, um, you know, sort of uh, defensive awareness and, um, and, and maybe a little more uh, toughness on the defensive end. Um, but in terms of ceiling, it's really, it's hard to put a finger on the guys, you know, and not that it matters. He, he scored 3000 points in high school. You know, he was, he, he was, you know, a, a walking bucket for the most point for the most part at Kentucky um, in, in his one year, you know, he, he's to me, a transition player that once he gets out and does, you know, has the ball in transition, he's, he, he scores like, right. Like a player that I really haven't seen before. He's that, I mean, he's, He's really good in transition when he's given and, and in that, that opportunity. Generally, yeah. it's him getting a rebound and then pushing it up the floor. Right. Um, but it's a great question. I mean, I don't have an apples to apples comparison. Yeah, I don't Would know. I, I'd like him to be Paul George, you know, a poor man's Paul George as well. Bigger version, right? Because he's, uh, he's closer to 6'10". Um, but, you know, I, I just think he's got a lot of his, – his shooting stroke is very fluid. 
He's got an NBA skill, and then you've just got to develop the rest, I feel. Got to develop the rest, and you got to hope, you know, the motor question dies down in the future, man. You got to hope that uh, it doesn't become a constant question of of him, you know, maintaining that level of aggressiveness that he's going to need to to be an impact on his team. So we'll see. We'll see if Fizz can, can get Kev right. Uh, as this team goes to 4-16 and 16 on the season. Knicks coming into Milwaukee tomorrow night. Back-to-back. Second half of a back-to-back. We'll have JLs back with us. Tommy D, thanks for coming on, man. I'm going to throw it over to your screen, close out, and uh, let the people know where they can find you, man. CP, as always, you're the best. Thank you for uh, allowing me the time to uh, to do this X, the X's and O stuff. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um and it's always great to be with you. Happy Thanksgiving again to everyone. You can find me at patreon.com slash Tommy D and on Twitter at Thomas C D E. I'll drop that in the, uh, the YouTube chat under the guy who just called me D's nuts. And um, <laughs> I've been called worse, RJ Dean. I've been called a lot worse, man. It's all good. Um, as long, you can call me whatever you want as long as you, as long as you call me. That's the old saying. Um, but always a pleasure, CP, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. And, and once again, thanks for coming through. And uh, thanks for everybody for watching, man. Another tough loss at MSG. Knicks go down to the Celtics, 113 and 104. Another crunch time defeat. What do we do? What do we need to do to get a W? Leave me a comment in the video below. Remember, this show is also available in audio podcast format. Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Hit those links in the chat. Hit those links in the video description. And uh, check it out on your favorite audio podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. Very important to do so to support us. Also, way to support us, hit that thumbs up before you leave. Everybody hit that thumbs up button. Hit that like button for us. Subscribe to the channel and share these videos. Share this on Facebook right now. Share it on Twitter right now. Uh, If you do it on Twitter with the hashtag PostGameNYK, We'll put you in our Twitter DM group. We'll also put you in our in our Discord group as well. Just another group chat that keeps the conversation going for those of you that are interested. And it's a good time, man. So once again, I want to appreciate uh, all the mods for coming through, helping out. Dave, TM, Rome, uh, Keith Sinclair, Above the Rim. Thanks for everybody who came through. Apple Fanboy, Jack Peters. The Advocates, hashtag new. Welcome to the program, The Advocates. Uh, KR says the Tankathon continues. Uh, too early for that one, man, but I hear you. It's, it's getting ugly out there. Nick Flair, appreciate it. The Shells, appreciate it. Steve Stark, the Realtor, always appreciate it, man. Valentine Outlaw, K-Pat. Thank you. Hit that thumbs up one more time, and, and we'll see you Monday, Monday night, post game live. Number one show for the fans, by the fans. Anthony Parasol, salute. And we'll see you guys Monday night, man. Peace. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.